Good afternoon. This is Katie and Kay. It's 4.30. Thanks for tuning in. Up next, we have Ask the Vet. And on the right line right now, I've got some vets from Alpine Animal Hospital. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. My name is Darren. I'm a certified veterinary nurse here at Alpine Animal Hospital. Hi, and I'm Dr. Louise Marin. Um, and today, uh, we're kind of talking about... Um, uh, an upcoming kind of National Pet Day. Um, it's called Change a Pet's Life Day. Uh, it's kind of in reference to adopting a puppy or, or adopting a pet in general. Um, just as a friendly reminder, this is a call-in show, um, and you can call in at any point at 970-963-2976. Um, and I figured we'd kind of just touch on some of the basics of getting a new pet, whether it be through adoption uh, or through a reputable reputable breeder. Um, so kind of, I guess that kind of goes off of that one way to change a pet's life. Um, so Dr. Marin, uh, I kind of want to ask you some uh, recommendations that you would have uh, kind of just on the basics, uh, like considering, you know, lifestyle uh, in reference to certain breeds of pets, what a personal lifestyle looks like. Um, what are your thoughts on that? Well, uh, you know, it's it's definitely nice because there are so, so many different options to choose from. Um, you know, uh, excuse me, how should I say, mixed breed dogs or mutts, you know, you can get any number of different varieties or combinations and you can get some really great um, benefits from having what we call um, hybrid vigor. So sometimes they'll be prone, less prone to certain diseases um, by combining multiple breeds. And um, also it's kind of a fun surprise. You never quite know what you're going to get. Um, so, you know, that's the case with many shelter dogs is that they are mixed breeds and there are definitely some benefits to that. Um, also purebreds have some benefits too. Um, because you know a little bit more about what you can expect to get. And it's just really, as you say, so important to consider what your lifestyle is going to be and what sort of needs of the dog you're going to adopt that you'll be able to meet. So if you live in a small apartment, it's not a good idea to get a large breed dog that's going to need a lot of exercise. Um, you know, if you live out somewhere in the backwoods where there's a lot of dangerous wildlife, getting a smaller dog is definitely going to increase the need that you have to watch over and protect them from being harmed. Um, you know, certain breeds are better with small children than others. Certain breeds are going to be harder for an older, potentially less mobile person to take care of. So all of those things are really going to factor in. Um, also, you know, the cost. So certain purebred dogs are really more predisposed to certain diseases, um, certain types of cancer, and so all of that is going to potentially create more cost for you to have to accommodate as your pet goes through life. So if you, you know, if you just really, really, really love the breed and you understand that it's probably going to cost more than just the purchase price of the dog, potentially getting like one of the short-faced breeds, like a French Bulldog or an English Bulldog um, where, you know, or a Pug, where, you know, they are great animals and they have great personalities and a lot of great traits. Um, 
and they also oftentimes are predisposed to upper respiratory problems that require expensive surgeries. So lots of things to consider. Exactly. Um, and kind of touching on that affordability topic, um, something that kind of popped up in my head is kind of keeping in mind the food requirements. Um, so as we know, like a Yorkie is going to be a different food requirement than like, um, say, a Great Dane. So um, I definitely agree wholeheartedly with that. Um, considering the veterinary care as, as well, um, you know, with those genetic uh, issues that you were kind of talking about, especially with French bulldogs. So, yeah. Um, and then and something else. And just to speak to that point also, Darren, um, you know, smaller dogs require less food, which costs less money. Medications can also kind of fall on that same scale. So bigger dogs require more medication, which can increase the cost of veterinary care as well. Exactly, exactly. Um, and then also, kind of on that breed standpoint as well, um, certain breeds that we would maybe recommend, um, you know, joint supplements, um, like those older or bigger friends that might be prone to some arthritis. Um, definitely agree with you there, um, cost-wise. Um, kind of the next topic on that that I was thinking about was um, depending on if, uh, you know, if we're adopting from a shelter um, or if we're getting from a reputable breeder, um, considering those behavioral um, personality traits of certain breeds, um, would you say those are some really important things to keep in mind? Yes, absolutely. For example, um, my parents, who are not very active, um, you know, at this point in their life, they... And also, they have a strong affinity for the Akita breed, um, but that works for in some part because the Akita breed specifically tends to be kind of a lazier dog. They actually require motivation and encouragement to get out and exercise. So um, that is, you know, that kind of characteristic. So you know, a German short hair pointer or an English Springer Spaniel or any of those kind of hunting breeds are going to be, they are hardwired for intense activity and they really need that to thrive in their lives. So if somebody lives in a small apartment or, you know, just doesn't want to be that active or maybe cannot be that active for whatever sort of physical limitations they have, um, you know, getting a really active dog like that is not going to be a good match. And that can... Um, kind of segue into what you had touched on before in terms of behavior problems. So if you have an animal and, you, and you're not set up to meet their exercise needs, it can really w wind up causing some major frustrations for them and they look for outlets for their pent-up energy, which often uh, manifests as misbehavior. Um, yeah, I totally agree there. Um, I think personally, if um, you're gonna, if we're looking for a new friend to bring home into the family, um, considering that stuff is very important. Um, I have a little note here, thinking that um, researching some of the behavioral stuff um, and getting in touch with uh, trainers or um, behaviorists, I think, would be a good idea for sure. Um, I know, in particular, care here in the valley. Um, they oftentimes list those behavioral um, quirks that they might have, just like you know, other pets in the house, um, kids, that sort of thing. 
I remember correctly, I think they can do a foster program. I'm not entirely sure. Um, but if ever, if ever anybody is interested, they can always call those shelters and see what options they have. Um, and just as a quick reminder, this is a call-in show. Uh, the number to reach us here, if you have any questions, is 
to get cats to be able to cohabitate happily. Yeah, I've heard of some people that it takes sometimes a couple of months and some that take a couple of days, for sure. Um, yeah, I think that's definitely good to keep in mind as well. If we have you know, existing pets or um, anything like that, it may, it's definitely a good idea for a slow introduction. Um, let's see. I'm trying to think about uh, some enrichment things that we could provide for our little friends when we're bringing them into the home. Um, I know a lot of times people want to give bones, um, rawhide, stuff like that. Um, what would be your recommendation for kind of first-time toys, most particularly into our younger like puppies and kittens? Well, uh, I, I do recommend against things like bones and antlers. Um, it's kind of a long-standing myth, the old phrase, give a dog a bone. Um, the problem is that the bones that are marketed for dogs for chewing items usually come from um, cows or, you know, for example, antlers. Those items actually aren't safe necessarily um, because they're so hard that animals can break their teeth on those. And even if an animal seems like they're okay, they're chewing away and they haven't broken a tooth in you know some given period of time, they can cause micro trauma to their teeth that will just weaken them over time so that eventually down the road an actual injury is apparent. So I discourage the use of bones and antlers. Raw hides can be a great tool. Um, every dog is a little bit different. Certain dogs have a sensitivity, a gastrointestinal sensitivity to rawhides, and it'll give them gas or loose stools. So you'll have to kind of decide or discover where your pet falls on that spectrum. Some pets get so overexcited that they just take one chomp and swallow the whole thing in one piece. Um, that can pose a risk for upset stomach. Um, Rarely a foreign body obstruction. Usually the intestinal enzymes and juices can break those things down over time. But in the short term, certainly it can cause a problem. So if your dog, so you always want to supervise when you're giving rawhides. Um, other really great toys that are safer, kind of less less of a unknown would be Kong toys. They're very durable. Um, so it's difficult for a dog to damage them and bite off a piece and swallow it. The other thing about Kongs is that they are—they um, come up as very dense, so if a dog does happen to swallow one, you can see it on an x-ray. Um, and then there's a ton of different toys out there that enable you to provide food in an enriching way, so rather than just set the bowl of food on the floor and they gobble it up or inhale it without hardly even chewing, and then they're still hungry for more. There are toys where you can put the food into, for example, a ball or a cube where the pet actually has to knock it around and roll it over to make it dispense a few little kibbles at a time. That gives them some mental stimulation, also some physical activity, and um, they will eat more slowly and probably feel more satiated. So those are a few ideas. Exactly. Um, Kongs are also really good ways. Um, I know we use them here in the hospital. Um, as a nice distractor uh, because it takes so long to 
uh, get the nice yummy treat out of there. So um, a lot of times I've seen, or we have used it kind of in a way to keep a pet busy. So definitely agree with the Kongs. They're pretty nice little um, tool that's pretty versatile. So um, I was kind of thinking back to the affordability aspect, and not just in the money department, um, finances, but also in the time department, uh, particularly in reference to like new puppies and new kittens. Um, can you kind of give us some insight as to um, you know, the time required for training for that kind of stuff? Well, that um, you know, that's going to be very individual based on the people and the animal. Um, but certainly, the sky's the limit. Um, animals are often quite eager to engage in a learning environment, and you can teach them lots of things. So you could spend several hours a day, um, but at bare minimum, you're probably going to need to spend at least 15 minutes to an hour every day with a dog a new dog to get them to learn kind of the cues as to how to live with you as far as, you know, whether they enter and exit the doorway before or after you, what they're expected to do in order to receive their food, um, where they need to go to use the bathroom, how to walk with you calmly and compliantly on a leash, those kinds of things. So that's a great point that you make. It's not just of the cost of money, but also very much of time, which tends to be the thing that is sometimes in the most limited supply. So, um, you know, if you have a full-time job and you're going to be away from your house for 8 to 10 plus hours a day, you need to factor that into your plan with your new pet as to whether or not it's reasonable to leave them alone that long or who you can hire to come midday to give them a walk, a potty break. Um, so, you know, raising a pet by yourself is not easy, and it's definitely something that you may need to create a community around. And then that kind of leads to a, a good segue into socialization, um, of especially new puppies and kittens. But in general, um, socializing our pets, um, especially in the times of COVID, it's kind of hard to do that. Um, what are what would you say are some COVID safe ways to do some social interaction with our little friends? Well, I think just the point that socialization is so critical is really great thing to mention because there's been kind of you know, the philosophy has shifted over time, and it used to be that we recommended that dogs not be allowed to interact with each other until they had had their complete set of vaccines, which typically our vaccine schedule is starts at 8 weeks and ends at 16 weeks. But what has been discovered as behavior has been studied in dogs by experts over the recent years is that dogs have a critical window of social development from about 12 to 16 weeks of age. So if you wait until all of their vaccines are given, you may miss that really critical window for uh, introducing them to other dogs. Also, so, so I, I wouldn't say, you know, the vaccines don't matter, but what I would say is that after they've had the 
first one or two vaccines, but it is safe to go ahead and introduce them to other dogs who are known to be healthy um, in a controlled environment who are also known to be friendly. Because just as important as it is to introduce puppies to dogs to kind of develop their social habits, you can do quite a bit of detriment to their ego and to their confidence, self-confidence, by introducing them to a dog that attacks them or is aggressive or angry towards them. So it's just so very important to be in a controlled space. So, for example, a fenced yard, um, which, you know, outdoors is going to be your COVID-safe environment, and, you know, that would be a less less of a less likely to be um, a territorial type situation introducing the two dogs outside in a bigger space I actually have a question here from the studio about um, dog socialization I feel like especially with the um, you know rescue type organizations lots of times people are adopting dogs that are already a little older than that ideal socialization time period is there do you have any advice for people on how to socialize dogs that are just a little beyond that or uh, beyond that ideal age is there anything that people need to do if they're adopting dogs from backgrounds that they're unsure of but potentially were unfriendly ones Um, are there any special things that those dogs are going to need for socializing that's a good question Um, and I would say that You know, once dogs reach maturity, their kind of emotional set point can be very difficult to shift if they've had some negative experiences and they have kind of a pre-existing fear of other dogs, which a lot of times will manifest as aggression because they go on the offensive in anticipation that they might get attacked. Um, But kind of, I would say the same as we might consider for ourselves just really putting a lot of effort and time into identifying other dogs that you can expect they will have a positive interaction with, doing it in a neutral space, doing it in a controlled way with both dogs on leashes um, until you're confident that they are comfortable enough with each other that you don't need to have a physical ability to change the interaction. Great. Thank you. And repetition. agree with that too. Um, And just to add to that, there's always the option of if there is a behavior that's kind of hard to train out by ourselves, there's always those resources like trainers and behaviorists that um, can definitely help you along with that. Um, They study in that kind of stuff and they know know what they're talking about and um, they can definitely be very helpful in that regard, I would say. Yeah, that's really a great point that Darren makes um, because there's a lot of subtle nuances um, and getting it right can be tricky. And so if you have a dog that's um, reactive to other dogs, enlisting the help of a professional who can bring a dog and help you understand how to manage the situation and assist you in introducing the dogs and really kind of forming those positive interactions, huge. All right. It looks like that uh, that time flew by, but um, I think that's all we have for today. So thank you so much. Thank you for having us. 
And hopefully all the puppy adopters out there have learned a thing or two. I know there's a lot of puppy adoptions happening this year. So um, good idea to talk about that.